You're listening to the Morphology Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Morphology Podcast. I'm your host, Kathy, aka Murph, and I'm here to share with you interviews about biking experiences from bicyclists who have pedaled to amazing places within the United States. Each week, we will get to know new people and explore great destinations to ride your bike. As you listen to these great adventures cyclists share, you may wonder, why haven't I done that yet? All right, well, on the show today is Alex Casado. How are you doing, Alex? Uh, Good. How's it going? Good. Really good. I came across Alex on a Facebook page um, about bicycle touring, I believe. Does that sound right to you? Uh, yeah, that's yeah. correct. Yeah, and you were telling some like amazing stuff about uh, where you had been and where you were going, and I thought, I have to get him on the show. So here you are. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, I'm honored. Yeah. Really. Well, uh, why don't you start out? Um, I usually ask guests when they come on the show, how did you get into bicycling as an adult? So I, I guess it's kind of the same story as most people. Heard. I had a bicycle as a kid, and then... Uh, didn't really bike for 10 years, even through high school and college uh, and all that. And then suddenly got back into it. Um, I think uh, when was I? I was out, I've mostly been a runner for most of my life, oh, through really? cross country and track. Yeah, through uh, high school and a little bit of college. But uh, I really took a toll on the knees. So I kind of, I kind of uh, branched away from running for a while. And then my first job out of college, probably like a year or two in, I was kind of getting a little bit out of shape because without running, that's pretty much all I had. So I kind of wanted to try to get into something else. And I heard uh, biking was a very nice cardio with low impact to the uh, to the knees. So, but I've always been very weary of, of bicycling. I've always been very intimidated by the, uh, you know, by the Lance Armstrong type. Sure, like the, yeah. The light, the light bikes, how fast they've gone. The only bike I ever owned was as a kid, which was those, uh, you know, just the fixie bikes where there's no cables or anything on it. You spin it backwards to brake and all those 10 speed bikes with brake levers and all that just looks so, I was always so terrified of braking like an expensive bike. So I, I strayed away from it for a very long time, but there was this guy I work with who always talked about, uh, cycling. I even made fun of him a lot, uh, too. And anytime I saw him on the road or anything, (laughs) giving him a hard time. Yeah, so just one day I approached him. I asked if he could help me uh, finding a bike to get into it. And he was just super cool about it. Uh, we talked for a while, and he finally gave me a recommendation of just getting a hybrid, uh, like an eight-speed Trek hybrid, uh, which I got and just started kind of taking my time, getting like five-mile trips uh, under my belt. Uh, and then eventually he convinced me, I think there's a Ride Your, to- ride your Bike to Work Day. Uh-huh. Uh, and he convinced me to uh, to do that with him. It was like a 20-mile ride, which the most I probably ever did at that point was probably like eight or nine miles. Uh, yeah, he. <laughs> it was so clear he was trying very hard to go slow. He had to go out of his way to go up my slow speed. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, but, uh, but yeah, uh, after that, so that was like a 40-mile round-trip day. And uh, yeah, ever since then, I just kind of really like, I don't know, getting from place to place on a bike rather than a car. Uh, he eventually convinced me to join the group. This is in Aiken, South Carolina, to join the Aiken bike group there. Uh, so I tagged along with them, just learned so much, so many things I never knew. Like, I didn't even know tubes were inside tires. <laughs> That's something that I had no idea. Right. Uh, oh, 
hand signals, how to ride with a group, just pretty much like changed me from a guy with a bike to to like a cyclist, sure. I guess. Well, yeah. when, when you think about, um, I hear it so many times where people uh, were runners and then, you know, had an injury or just felt like their body was taking a beating and they switched to bicycle. And it's funny to think about, you know, when you're a runner, there's all kinds of different things that you need to do and learn about your body. But your only equipment is really a pair of shoes, you know, and then whatever clothing you're wearing, where at the bicycle, you've got every kind of like you said, mention, you know, like, all kinds of different components on your bike, you can get different styles of bike, different material for the frame. I mean, it's just endless amounts of stuff that you can um, purchase or have on a bike. Yeah, it was it was so crazy. Such a 180. Um, Yeah, like you said, there's so few things to worry about with running, I would just step out my front door, go for a run, come back and that was it. And now it's step out with a bike, grab the lights was was light charge. (laughs) Right. Uh, do I have bright clothes? It's going to be a long ride, so grab a snack. Right. You know, so many things, uh, especially when you go from beginner to a little bit more experience, and there's just more things you, you carry. But, but yeah, yeah, if you love it, then it's, it's not really an issue. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, you will definitely invest in the time and the equipment. So um, I think you oh, mentioned yeah. uh, Raleigh is where you live. Uh, tell us what yep. bicycling is like there. Oh, I, I love it personally. Um, they just there's so many greenways and trails that connect to each other. So for me, like my my main riding use of riding is commuting, whether it's to work, whether it's to I play disc golf, so I, I like combining those two hobbies. Whether it's to the grocery store, uh, and they just have a bunch of systems that all connect to each other that can get you to those places uh, relatively relatively safe. So. Nice, yeah. Uh, I really like it. Yeah, it's a great means of transportation if you're trying to avoid using your car as much as you can, which, which is kind, of, which is where I'm at. And there's some other mountain biking trails around here too. Uh, but yeah, I think the the commuting aspect here is, is is great. I really like it. Awesome, and it's so nice to be able to get from point A to point B and not be in a car. Yeah, just thinking way back when I wasn't kind of in an area like this, I'd have to drive two miles. Yeah. To go to the grocery store and I always felt so bad about myself doing that now yeah yeah now I, I have to ride like nine miles uh one way to get to the grocery store but it's it's totally worth it uh with how it's set up so yeah I, I do really enjoy it here awesome and so uh you said that you spend a lot of your time commuting which um can easily you know translate to uh kind of like bike touring because usually you have stuff on your bike to carry whatever you're commuting to, whether it be groceries or work clothes or whatever. So um, give us an idea of what your bike is like, your bike setup. Yeah, so it's a Surly disc trucker. Oh, yeah. Um, just like the long haul trucker, just with discs. Uh, yeah, I tried to spend a lot of time to try to find what the right bike that I wanted, and that just seemed like to be the one that everybody everybody raves about. I, I don't hear didn't hear anything bad, so... Uh, when I looked at the stock brand, I, I pretty much knew immediately that the two things I wanted to invest money and time into were the wheels and the handlebars. Mm. So I just I just got the frame and decided to build it up into the kind of bike I wanted. So the rims are just super thick, heavy, slow, but bomb-proof touring rims <laughs> that I have. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just knew that they were going to bear all the, the weight of everything throughout throughout all the tours that I'd be doing, so... 
So yeah, uh, super reliable rims. Uh, I have a Dynamo on the front. Oh yeah. Um, yep. Uh, yeah, a Schmidt Sun Twenty Eight um, that hooks up to a light that I have on the on the front fork, and also hooks up to a USB charger I have on the headset that I use for smaller components to charge. Mm-hmm. My handlebar setup is pretty crazy. That's actually the name of the handlebars are Crazy Bars by, <laughs> really? uh, by Velo Orange. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there, I, I never really liked drop bars because I never had any need to be in the aero position and the flat bar just doesn't have enough hand position so I found these crazy bars uh, online and they were just perfect it's basically like a flat bar with the 45s that come towards you and then two bull bull horns going out mm. and it's just it seemed perfect for what I needed um, I use a brook saddle which I really love mm-hmm. once after I broke it in I wasn't really a fan until I broke it in yeah that's what everybody um, always says <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh two two steel tubus racks uh one on the front and one on the rear that carries i can carry up to five ooh, four paneers and i have one one rear one that i put on the back if i need extra room so mm-hmm. that'd be five and then the front the front handlebar bag um for those long tours so uh so yeah i'd say it's definitely your typical touring touring bike setup that i have yeah and the Surly uh, is steel, isn't it? Yeah, yep. steel frame, which yep. I've never ridden until I got it, but I, I do really enjoy the comfort of it. Yeah, I I have a, a lot of bikes, and now I'm pretty much always picking the steel frame choices when I uh, decide to go for a ride. And for those who don't know what a Dynamo Hub is, it's basically uh, your pedaling to power whatever you have hooked up to it. So you mentioned you have a front light and then a USB port. So if you literally want to charge your phone while you're commuting to work, you can do that because as you pedal, it's generating the power to charge, which is just amazing. Totally great. It's just another thing I had no idea existed once I, until I started looking into the touring. And I was like, well, yeah, I need, definitely need that. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. A quick interruption to tell you this week's podcast is sponsored by Lizard Lips Lip Balm. These great lip balms contain natural ingredients, come in a variety of flavors, and you can choose certified organic or balms with sun protection. Check it out at lizardlips.net. Now back to the show. Well, uh, you said you have uh, four paneers and then a front bag and a back bag if you need it. So tell us a little yep. bit about, you know, let's give an example of maybe you're on a, I don't know, a three or four day tour. What kind of gear do you carry along? Like, are you a hammock guy, a tent guy? Do you, you know, carry a lot of stuff with you or are you a minimalist? Yeah. So during my first tour, I, I was a tent guy. Um, it just seemed like the most easiest one to use wherever. Uh, but since coming back, I've honestly experimented with everything, hammock, bivy sack, tarp, tent. Um, <clears throat> but the one that I, I most love right now that I've been using for the past, like, four or five tours that I've been on is the tarp. I really like oh, the tarp, really? especially in the cold. Yeah, I, I don't like it so much in the heat because the, when the bugs are around, it's, it's kind of useless. But in these, uh, these past few months, uh, the tarp, it's just it's, it's so small. It's simple. You know, you can have it open so you don't have condensation everywhere when you're breathing. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's great. I really like it. And then if you're with somebody else, you have enough room that, you know, you can make it wide enough so that you have enough room for two or three people can fit everything underneath. It's 
it's just the simplicity of it. I, I really enjoy it. So the tarp is um, actually above you. It's not, you're not laying on the tarp. It's actually above you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you can have different configurations with it, uh, depending on the weather or, or whatever. So I've really, yeah, I've, it's the thing I love the most right now uh, as far as camping. But unfortunately to me, I think it only works in maybe fall, maybe late fall and winter weather is the only time I like to use it. So yeah, that's the, uh, the shelter setup. Uh, I, I carry a mattress with me, mm-hmm. a blow-up mattress, just pretty much like anyone you'd use. Um, a sleeping a quilt, actually. So I used to use a synthetic sleeping bag on the long tour, and uh, it took up half the space yeah. in my rear pannier. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I kind of just, yeah, I just figured, like, that's that's just what everybody has to go through, I guess. Like, there's nothing you can do about it. And then um, a couple months ago, I saw these things called quilts, which are just... Um, the sleeping bags but without the cover for your head and the back cut out mm. and then uh i also noticed they had down the down version instead of the synthetic version and it, you're able to compress it into those one liter now jeans oh wow are you serious like, yeah which is like half the size of my synthetic bag and i just yeah i just immediately Without even, like, shopping, which is usually what I do. I always try to find, like, the best deals on, like, expensive gear. But once I saw that, I just I bought it then and there, and I've never regretted it since. It's it's so small. It keeps me warm. It kept me warmer um, than the last bag. It's awesome. I love it. it. I never thought that I would be so excited about saving, like, 50% space <laughs> um, about, you know. I never thought that would be something that would excite me. Yeah. It really was. And when you're touring, um, you know, you're you're not really as worried about weight because, you know, the bike itself is steel and all your racks and the bags. And I mean, you think about it a little bit like being girly here, but like, I'm not going to take a full size shampoo. I'm going to just take a little, you know, tiny one that I can just have enough shampoo to get me through however long I'm on the tour. But space is always a huge issue and so like you're genius in finding a quilt that still keeps you warm but is so small yeah i think you, you totally hit it right there it's weight i mean i'm already like way overweight up than most bikes so an extra pound or two like means nothing but the space the space yeah. is so valuable when you're on those long tours right and then um i guess an obvious question that i'd want to ask you know based on what you said with the tarp and the quilt uh, how do you deal with uh, rain? Yeah, rain is always uh, tricky. Um, <laughs> luckily, those orderly, orderly uh, panniers, they, yeah. they keep you dry. So the, the clothes you're wearing while it's raining will get absolutely drenched. Um, but then the clothes that you have in there that you're waiting to, to put on once you get camped uh, should be nice and warm. But, uh, yeah, when you get to, when I get to the campsite, it's just trying to set it up as as a carefully as possible right. not like get any water on the inside of it i mean honestly i'm never really successful i honestly usually end <laughs> up uh, having some good amount of water and getting wet um if, it, if it's like really cold it'd probably be an issue I, I haven't had to deal with it in like these really bad temperatures of right 25 to, to 40 uh fortunately but i have dealt with it a few times in like the 50 the, the early 50 range and it can be a little annoying, uh, I'll admit. But uh, yeah, but yeah. I, obviously so that, not. Maybe the times where I prefer the tent. Yeah, and obviously not 
too annoying because, you know, you still want to go and you still probably enjoy the rest of the trip and rain isn't an everyday occurrence, hopefully. So um, when you're looking at what's inside your bags, uh, do you ever carry any luxury items, you know, stuff that you probably don't need, but you like or want to carry? Uh, so the one luxury item I always carried with me on tours was, I don't even know if it's a luxury item. For me, it was a necessity, but it's a, a stick roller, like a foam roller, like a portable version of a foam roller. Oh, for your, bo- um, like for your muscles? Yeah. yeah. So I would always just pull that thing out at the end of the day and just really try to massage the calves and, and quads. And then other bike tours who were always around me and saw that were like, oh, that's, that's genius, but... <laughs> But I never saw anybody with it, so I don't know how genius it really was. Um, well, uh, it got you ready for yeah, the next day, though. Yeah, yeah. I, I found out very quickly how useful it was. Something I've been carrying with me backpacking trips lately has, has been a chair, a folding chair. Oh, sure. Just one of those small camping chairs. And I definitely think that's that's coming with me on future long tours. I, I haven't realized like just how awesome it is to just sit with a back uh, above the ground. It's just, it's so, so useful. So I'm definitely going to find a spot to fit that, uh, in my next gear set. And I, I have one of those and I, unfortunately I don't have the brand. I don't know what brand it is, but it folds up really small. So it fits inside my uh, pannier, but I will tell you kind of like your, your rolling stick that people go crazy when that you can pull out a, a chair from your bike what? You have a chair in there? Yeah. yeah, it's people definitely will be jealous of you. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk about some of your biking adventures, which is, you know, the whole reason that I had you on the show. It sounds like you've been on some amazing trips. So do you have a couple that you want to talk about? Maybe, you know, how far you went, where you went, how long you were gone? Yeah, sure. So the first one that I ever did, uh, the one that got me into touring, <clears throat> was, the, uh, was the ride across the country. Oh, that was um, your first tour? Tri- yeah, which just, uh, I guess we'll probably get into advice and stuff, and that's one thing I definitely wouldn't recommend yeah. would be starting off with that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it was supposed to be the uh, the Trans Am route, starting in Virginia and going to um, Astoria, obviously, like everyone knows. Um, but uh, when I got to Colorado, Pueblo, Colorado, uh, like October 2nd or 3rd, I think it was, and I was pretty much immediately warned that uh, going northwest around this time would be very, very bad. Like, a lot of the campsites would be closed and Uh. no running water and just very cold. So, the ACA, I I think that's what they're called, the people that make the maps Mm -hmm. for... Adventure cycling? For all that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they have so many many routes that you can always redirect. So, I hopped on the Western Express, which is from Pueblo to... California going through Utah, which which is awesome. Utah and Utah and Colorado in October are just so beautiful. But I thought I'd say those two places really fought for for the place that I love being the most. Oh, nice. Yeah, and when I got to Utah, somebody somebody asked me if I ever saw the Grand Canyon, and I said no. And I never realized that. And he, he convinced me that I had to go see it. So I decided to go south Arizona to see the Grand Canyon. Then I hopped on uh, bicycle route 66, which ended in Santa Monica. So I think it was around 33, 3,300 miles. Not as much as the full Trans Am, which I think is over 4,000. Mm-hmm. But um, still, I, I did what I wanted, which is go going coast to coast from ocean to ocean. It was awesome. Uh, I really enjoyed it, and you know, it's something that I, 
that I just really got into to after that. Um, I've done a couple of short overnighters since then here in Raleigh, uh, but I really wanted to do another big one well, uh, after a while when I was back. So on uh, 4th of July of last year, I decided um, to, to ride the Outer Banks of North Carolina mm. from Jacksonville to, uh, to Richmond. I think it was around 400 miles, I want to say. Mm-hmm. I was really trying to find a route that ended at an Amtrak because I kept hearing good things about that. I started in Jacksonville, rode along the Outer Banks, and then uh, ended in Richmond where I was able to hop on a train to, uh, to get back to Raleigh. I've talked about Amtrak before on this podcast. So was it as cool as everyone says, where you could literally roll your bike onto Amtrak and then go wherever you're going at a pretty good price? Yeah, I think it was like 25 bucks, which is like nothing. Right. So that was awesome. And it's funny, like you, you do all this research and you try to get like, what exactly what do you have to do? And nobody ever gives you like exactly what you're doing. You get like a bunch of different descriptions, you know, some say roll on, some say hand off and, so the whole time I'm just nervous. I'm like, oh, as soon as I get there, I know exactly what they're going to say. No, you can't put this on, yeah. and then I'm going to be stuck here and blah, blah. But now I got there. You, uh, you do have to go up to the counter and make sure you get it checked. They put a tag on it and say so they know it's yours. And then <clears throat> when, you, when you go up to the cart, you just hand it to them, and, and that's it. Um, wow. For the one that I do, that handoff one, though, you have to take off all your bags and stuff was the only oh. thing. I think there's some where you can just roll it on. And keep everything on, but, but for, for the ones that I was on, it, mm-hmm. it was always handoff without the bags. So. Mm-hmm. But, but still, super easy. And yeah. Super yeah, you don't have to pack it up in a box yeah. and hope that it makes it on a plane. Like, ugh, that's Amtrak sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Good. Uh, back to your uh, riding across the United States. How long were you gone? Like, how long was that trip? So I, I planned three months for it. Um, cause it was supposed to be 4,000, be over 4,000 miles, <clears throat> but it ended up only being 70 days. Oh, and how about the Grand Canyon? Was it actually worth going, changing the route? Yeah, I was never really somebody who could ever be, probably I was never like somebody who got awed by something or like starstruck or anything. <laughs> but when I got to the top and I like looked down, I think it was close to just after sunrise. So like yeah, the whole canyon was like super pink or bright red or this amazing sci-fi color i just remember looking at and just there's probably like thousands of people around me and i just like at that point had no idea anybody was around me i was staring at this thing wow how how does this exist like it was just it was totally worth it uh the ride up was painful but it i mean the sight the view was just amazing yeah i've hiked in the grand canyon before and i always wouldn't it be cool if somebody would develop some sort of you know gradual bike ride uh, to get down to the canyon and then back up. I mean, it'd have to be <laughs> super gradual because that is one steep hole in the in the earth. <laughs> I would totally sign up for that if it ever happened, though. <laughs> it would, it'd be painful and long, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It, you're so right. Yeah, yeah. So when you're on these tours, um, even on the shorter ones, are you uh, mostly like stealth camping or finding campgrounds or are you luxury hotels? Yeah, so the, the right across America... The ACA, like, the maps have just so many places you can stay, whether it's churches or fire stations or city parks even, which I got to tell you, it takes so long to get used. It took me a while to get used to just, like, going into a park and setting up. A lot of times they're like, don't even bother contacting. You can just go. And I would always, like, feel so weird about it. I just always wanted to make sure somebody of authority was saying, yeah, yeah, you're fine to do that. So, um, 
Yeah, but like a lot of these places were just set up for it, um, which was great. And I also used uh, warm showers, which I really loved because it was just these families that were inviting you into their family for a night or two. Yeah. And uh, it was just, you know. The cool thing about warm showers is it's uh, a website. I kind of think they have an app as well, but it's... They do. Yeah, they do. Okay, so they have an app as well, but it's a, a free service where you... Yeah. Like if you have an extra bedroom in your home, you can get set up on warm showers. And then as cyclists are coming through, if they are going to be stopping in your town, they will literally come to your home you know, sleep in your home, take a shower, whatever you allow them to do. And a lot of places will feed you as well, don't they? Yeah, it's great. They'll feed you at the family dinner table with oh the whole family. Gosh, that's so cool. Uh, just having these amazing conversations. Uh, I can't, like, there's just so many times where I have a place to stay and I'm riding that whole day and the heat and the long miles. And I'm just like, oh, as soon as I get there, I'm just, I'm just going to pass out and I don't want to do anything, but you get there and you meet these people and all you want to do is just stay up and talk to them as long as possible. It's just, it re-energizes, it honestly re-energizes you for like the next day. Yeah. Uh, that's probably, those are my favorite places just, just for the, just for the meeting of people. Sure. It's so sure. great. Um, and that was one of my questions. Like, do you meet a lot of people when you're on these sorts of trips? And I would say warm showers for sure you do. But other than that, are you interacting with people a lot? Yeah, all the time. Uh, everybody always wants to know what you're doing yeah. when you're riding this huge rig with all these bags and you're super sweaty and you have an odd smell to you and <laughs> you, you pretty much look homeless. If it wasn't for the bike, like people would probably assume that you were homeless. So. Right. <laughs> yeah, it really changes like your perspective, I guess, on people. You know, I, I kind of I didn't think that was going to be like something anybody would care about but everybody just acts so nice so, you know especially in the in the beginning in kentucky and virginia just uh just so much kindness there and people want to know what you're doing just the main thing is they want to make sure you're okay oh yeah which is which is always uh so kind just the amount of kindness from strangers is what me and uh some other people would always call it stranger kindness oh it's awesome. always blew me away yeah yeah whether it's hey do you want to stay on my front lawn or them just leaving and you not knowing that they covered your bill from the restaurant you were in oh, wow. just a simple hey hello how's it going and starting a conversation um, yeah it's really great that's awesome do you recall any like favorite towns or favorite stops i'd say like colorado and utah were just two of my favorite places to be mm -hmm. just outdoor wise they were it's the end in october like the mountain landscapes are just so surreal and i've never seen anything Seen anything like that i don't think i was ever like west of the appalachian mountains unless it was a layover flight somewhere oh, yeah. so being able to like see those was just blew my mind away uh, i really enjoyed it and uh yeah a lot of the small towns in kentucky and virginia uh, i really enjoyed it i really can't remember any of the names off offhand unfortunately mm -hmm. i know berea kentucky was one of them i, I really liked there they uh had a visitor center where they like stopping Trans Am riders and giving them a t-shirt and getting your picture and putting it part of their wall. Oh, cool. And just, uh, yeah, it was really geared toward, uh, toward the riders coming through. I was going to say, you have to think yeah, about so with that whole, uh, Trans Am route. Uh, a lot of those towns are expecting to see cyclists throughout the year. Yeah, exactly. I, I do remember the one time I was in, uh, where is I? I was in 
Bazine, Kansas, I think the population is like 200 or something. Oh. But I, was, I wasn't supposed to stop there. I was supposed to stop like 20 miles past there, but the wind was killing me. So I called up the number. It was a 919 area code, which I thought was weird because that's Raleigh. And the guy picked up, and he told me to come along. And They lived in an abandoned school with eight children. Oh. So I got there at this, yeah, monster school. It's huge. They all had their own rooms. And then we got to talking, and he, I remember he asked me, he's like, so are you really into biking? Do you get the bike to work? And I told him, like, I couldn't because of where I was located in Sanford from Raleigh. And he was like, Sanford, that's, that's interesting. He was like, uh, do you by chance? work for this company and I was like yeah that's the company that I work for <laughs> and it turned out that he worked there uh, a couple years ago but uh, had to move I guess because the city was a little too busy for having eight kids and just like what like what are the chances of that happening yeah uh, <laughs> it was just so funny and then I was I started naming names of people I work with and he, he knew them off the bat that was one of the craziest times that I had that night it just the kids took me around to play in the gymnasium I mean, population 200, you would never think to stop there and that something would be going on, but I was just so thankful that the wind was shooting at 20 miles an hour in my face that day, and I was able to stop there and really enjoy oh, yeah. a town I never heard of or would have ever gone to and then had to, not been for, for being on the map. And then to realize that the people that are hosting you, you, in a sense, have a lot of people that you know together. Yeah. Wow. So crazy. A quick interruption to tell you this week's sponsor is Thirsty Pigs, a full-service mobile event company offering beer, wine, spirits, plus catering for any event. With over 18 years of experience, this team can do it all. Find out more at thirstypigs.com. Any mishaps when you're out on your tours? Yeah, so, yeah, so many. Um, Actually, the very first day, the day before I was supposed to set out on the ride across America, it was raining at the campsite I met my mom and my nephew they were they met me there to say goodbye and then take my car uh it would start raining so me and my nephew had the bright idea to try to start a fire uh but all the wood was wet so i started shaving it and then i accidentally cut my hand and i didn't want him to see because i figured he'd worry so i tried to cover it up but he saw it and then he got very worried and um became pretty clear that i was gonna need to go to the hospital Mm. (laughs) the day before the ride i was very yeah i was very upset because i thought i'd cut something that i shouldn't have cut and the doctor would say that i couldn't go yeah so we spent the night in the hospital i ended up getting stitches and but she said that i was fine to find a ride and uh that i would just need to keep it dry in virginia in late august which (laughs) i knew wasn't going to (laughs) happen so yeah that was the uh the great start to to the ride um riding with a five four four or five stitches in my hand I remember I couldn't I couldn't use my right hand for braking or my left hand for braking for the first uh, ten days. Oh, jeez! Because I was trying to splint it. Yeah, so so that was interesting. Yeah, that led to a couple of other things. I, I did have a crash on the first day, which uh, was was fun, and then it, it rained those first three days too. So definitely a lot of uh, things that uh, stood in the way of me me getting past that initial part. Um, Still surprised that I was able to make it through it all, but uh, yeah, I began with quite a few, quite a few mishaps. And it's awesome that you decided to keep going. I mean, you've got stitches in your hand; you're not supposed to get them wet. It's raining, you know. You you said yeah. you crashed, but yet you kept going, and I'm sure that that was uh, a very good decision in the end. Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> honestly, it was lucky because I, after like the first like week, I was 
pretty sure I didn't want to keep doing this, but I didn't want to go home because <laughs> of just the embarrassment. I think the embarrassment was the only thing that drove me Yeah. after that initial week. So I would go into stores and like, I wouldn't even lock my bike up. I would just like leave it there. I'd go in and I'd come out and be like, ah, it's still here. You're still here. <laughs> I was hoping somebody would take you. Uh, yeah. So the first like, those first few weeks were just very rough and I was teetering on, on quitting, but yeah, luckily once you, once you get into a rhythm, once you have a routine, once you get into shape and it's not painful anymore, it's yeah. just, it gets, you're able to enjoy all the other things that touring, touring provides. Yeah. Now, did I read, I think when I was looking at uh, some information about you, did I read that you downsized recently, like big time downsized in anticipation of future tours? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I've been reading. Ever since I got back from my long one, I've been reading about people who just like, kind of get rid of everything and just disappear for a couple of years on a tour. And I never thought that, that would be what I would do, but it's just something I've been longing for a while. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of came up with the idea uh, back in March of 2019. Yeah, last year, March of last year. It kind of crept into my head there, and then I just started like getting rid of big things that I've owned like back in uh, September, just slowly getting rid of them, couch, desk, small junk, just slowly, slowly donating or selling it off. Yeah. And then I, got, I remember I got back in uh, January, like probably a week before the month was going to end. And I got, I, I was feeling pretty good about everything I got rid of. And I, I like just got up and I looked around I'm like, why do I still have so much stuff? I don't know why. <laughs> and I just realized, like, I think it's this house I live in. I think it's too big. You know, I lived with people I knew, so I didn't mind having my stuff everywhere. And I just thought, like, man, if I lived in a smaller place, I would probably be forced to get rid of all of this. So it was like a Tuesday. I went on Craigslist, and I found a small room for rent. And I was like, I'll go check it out. And if it's worth it, I'll, I'll just get it. And I went there after work. And as soon as I saw it, I just totally, I'll take it. Wow. And then for three days, I had to spend just, like, getting rid of the mattress, uh, the TV, some bikes, unfortunately, just pretty much getting rid of any anything that was in the maybe pile just was gone wow. at that point. Yeah, and then took three days, and then I got moved in to a new place, and even still, I got rid of a few more things uh, there, so... Yeah, I'm pretty much down to the bare essentials now, which I'm very happy about. The bicycle gear, some clothes, and some kitchen stuff is basically it. So when the time comes, it should be very easy to uh, uplift and, and go. That sounds very liberating, just to like not have the weight of stuff. Yeah, it, it really is. On that first Trans Am trip, I got a storage unit, and I just didn't want to get rid of anything. So I packed it with everything I owned. And, he, and everything went in the maybe pile, which meant that's what got kept. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's just going to be so great to not have to do that this yeah. time around. Well, okay, so you're already kind of prepared with your um, downsizing. But think back to, you know, you get back from a tour that you've been on a bike every single day with nothing to think about except pedaling. Like, how do you adjust to normal life after a long tour? It's very tough. Uh, <clears throat> I don't think I've ever really did adjust, unfortunately, for me. I, I think mainly it's because I didn't, I didn't click, get into that routine or in shape like we talked about until about a month and a half in, mm. until I was past the Appalachian Mountains. Then it was just all flat in Kansas. And then when I got to the Rockies in Utah, like that's kind of where I clicked. And I was like, 
I'm really, really enjoying this, and I love this. Awesome. But then a month later, I was at the Pacific Ocean, and it was over. And I just, I just remember sitting there in the sand, and the air, just staring at the ocean, being like, I should, I can just keep going. I've heard of people who get to the end of their tours and just keep going. That's what I should do. Mm-hmm. But I kind of like debated over it, and then you know, eventually, I just, I kind of decided it was unrealistic. Like, you should just go home, stay to the plan. Very rough adjusting, adjusting back to to the work life. Uh, even though I had a job that I really enjoyed and I had friends in the town that I really loved being in, I just like couldn't think that I had like so much unfinished business. Like I didn't complete what I started. So I tried to do something to like uh, alleviate that, some short tours. Uh, I got into backpacking, which, which really brought back some of those feelings. But, you know, at the end of the day, like I said, I just don't think I finished what I, what I set out to finish. So, like, back in March is kind of when I got the idea of starting another long tour, and that's kind of kept me going Yeah, going since, uh, since then. Um, but, yeah, I think, I think if you do have a goal and you do completely finish it, I don't think you kind of have, I think, coming back into the normal life or the real world, as we say, becomes a lot easier, you know? You don't yeah. have to think about what could have been or, or whatever, so... That's kind of what I'm thinking will happen after the next one. And that's what I was going to ask you next is, you know, what adventures do you have on the horizon? Like, do you have a plan for the next time you're going to go on tour? Yes, I do. So, yeah. Um, so the next tour, I've decided I want it to be a worldwide tour, Ooh. multiple continents. Yeah. So two years is the a lot of time that I have planned for it. I actually just bought the ticket to get there this weekend. It's been a while to figure out how to do it all, but... So the, the plan is to start in Scotland and nice. then uh, try to bike through Europe and then Northern Africa, get through Asia and Australia, fly to South America at that point, and then end in a, in a place that for some reason I've always wanted to step foot in, Alaska. Wow. So That sounds uh, so awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. and It's something I've been thinking about ever since March, ever since just constantly reading about all those posts in our in the Facebook group like we talked about just seeing other people do and it's great it just gave me motivation uh I eventually realized like that's that's what I need to do this may be too personal of a question but how do you fund a tour that's going to last for two years <laughs> yeah so if it were up to me I in March when I came up with the idea I would have left in March but uh money wise that wasn't realistic yeah. so at that point that's when I'd set out to to start saving at that time so I moved in with some with some roommates in a house, uh, which cut down on expenses a lot. Uh, saying no to so many things, like any type of travel or vacation stuff, definitely was a no. Cooking all your meals. And who would have thought that biking everywhere would yeah. save you a lot of money? I had a I had a budget for $10 a week on gas, and I've uh, stuck by that pretty, pretty well, nice. which I've been very happy with. And if you're not riding your car around all the time, you can lower your insurance just so many little things that like you, you change in a 12 month period to start saving money. And then, and then other expenses that you normally occur during the, the year that you just get rid of like travel and vacation and all that. So it's, it's been a year's worth of saving um, for something like this. Sounds like you're yeah. making some super smart decisions too. Like just little things like that, like eating in instead of going out that saves huge amounts of money. Yeah, it really does. The one thing I could not do is go on short tours while here so i used to just stop at places to eat but now i uh something i got into was dehydrating meals mm. so they're just full calorie dense and nutritious as anything you'd get anywhere and they're homemade 
I'm able to take like four of those with me to last for like a four or five day tour and I never have to stop anywhere. And I make my own snacks too for the tours. So awesome. It's like, yeah, like I said, just a bunch of tricks that you pick up from, from all these places. And when you stretch it out over 12 months, it really, really adds up. And then all that savings goes toward, toward the ride. Yeah. And then of course there's the selling of all your stuff, which also goes toward uh youth stuff. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And since you have sold all of your stuff, you hopefully have a pretty good savings um, so that you can kick off this tour. Yep. So if somebody let's, I don't know, what would you say to people who have the dream to do what you did and what you're going to do? Like, what advice would you give them? Like, should they do it? Shouldn't they? Has it been hard? Is it awesome? Is it worth it? Oh, yeah, Uh, definitely. Anybody who wants to, who's even thought about touring should definitely Definitely just try to partake it in any way. But I would definitely recommend starting off small. Do not start off by riding across the country. <laughs> yeah, I definitely wouldn't do it that way. If you think there's even an inkling of it, just give it a go. And if you don't like it, you can easily quit within like a week or two. If you if, if it's pretty obvious that you find that it's not something for you, that it's not something you would enjoy, you know, the quitting aspect is fairly easy. And at least you tried it, but yeah. But yeah, definitely get out there and give it a go if it's something that you think is, is a dream of yours. Well, we need to do, uh, uh, actually, we need to do two more podcasts with you, okay? So one of them, we could do a whole podcast on just how you dehydrate food and make your own food <laughs> to last, you know, a whole, whatever, a couple of days or a week's worth. Like, that's a that would be such an interesting story. Yeah, I actually did that for the, uh, the Outer Banks one. It's probably the longest one I did for, and it was just weird not spending any money on food for the first four days yeah one day i remember i just quit when i was like i I want a mountain dew and ice cream so i had to get that but (laughs) but yeah to just have all your meals uh planned and able to and they're light they're super light because you dehydrate them proves very useful Wow, that's awesome. And then the other podcast we have to do will be, you know, maybe halfway into your two year tour, just to find out where you are, where you've been, how much you're enjoying yourself. I think that would be awesome. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Alex, thank you so much for being on the show. It's, it's been awesome uh, learning about you. And, you know, I always get like the touring bug when I talk to people who go on epic adventures. So I, I hope I can get one on the calendar soon. Yeah, like I always say, like a touring adventure can be two years, it can be three months, or it can even be overnight. Uh, sure. I've done all of them. I do them all regularly, and I love every single one. So yeah. yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. Well, that's it for this week. If you have a moment, please go to your favorite podcast platform to subscribe, rate, and review the Morphology Podcast. Also, check out morphologypodcast.com to find all kinds of great info. You can even email me your topic ideas at morphologypodcast at gmail.com. I will leave you with this quote from the unwritten book of morphology. This quote comes from Mandy Hale. You don't always need a plan. Sometimes you just need to breathe, trust, let go, and see what happens. Think about it.